Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. When you try to fulfill God's promises in your life on your time, you'll end up with an Ishmael. That's just how it is, right? It's a work of the flesh. It's not recorded here, though. What is recorded is the promised child. It's so good, and it's so freeing when the Lord's like, I know you make mistakes. I know there's moments in your life where you don't trust me. I know there's moments in your life where you don't believe me. And when you don't do what I say, but man, those things are covered by the blood of Christ. Have you ever said the phrase, I can fix it? Oftentimes, we look at ourselves to fix the problems in our lives. In today's message, Pastor James says that when we try to fulfill the promises that God has for us on our own, we'll end up stumbling. God promises that if you follow him, your choices that are against his plans are covered by the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus, you can live freely. He's died so that you can be free. Choose him and you're promised an eternal life with him. He loves you and he wants you to trust him. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James continues his message, Heroes of the Faith, Abraham. And Abraham continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev, which is the very bottom corner part of Israel. So everywhere Abram went in Israel, what he, what he did was he just set up altars and he worshiped God. He was dedicating this land that God was given to him and his descendants as an act of faith. He was dedicating it to the Lord. Everywhere he went, everywhere, every stop along the journey, building an altar, dedicating it to God. And I'm going to worship here. And I'm going to worship here. Good practical application for you and I. Everywhere you go, set up an altar, so to speak, right? Don't actually build an altar, but within your heart, just, you know, establish that place of like, man, Lord, this is your place. You go home, Lord, this is your place. You go to work, Lord, this is your place. And I will worship you here. And I'll worship you there. And worship, I hope we understand this, uh, worship is more than just singing songs. It's how we live our lives as a reflection of him. And you can do that at work, you can do that at your home, you can do that at school, you can do that wherever the Lord is calling you to go on this grand adventure, establish altars and worship God every step of the way, right? That's what Abraham did. And it's, a, it's credited to him, you know, as like that was his act of faith. And it says here, it, back in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to have you bouncing around a little bit, but I'll try to limit it as much as I can. This keeps you awake. Back in 11, it says that, verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as a foreign, uh, in, the, in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise, right? So his son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob, goes on to say, verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundation, foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So here's Abraham, takes a step of faith, trusts God, leaves his home country, leaves his family, goes to this new place. And as he enters into this new place, he's just worshiping God every step of the way, every step of the way. With the mindset, here's the key, with the mindset of this is cool, but this ain't my home. I'm, I'm looking for another city. I'm living for another place. 
And what this is telling us here is that Abraham had, well, he had heaven on his mind the whole way. And taking steps of faith for God, when you don't understand maybe the why, having heaven on your mind makes those steps a lot easier, a lot easier. Because you know, I mean, I can go anywhere. God can call me to go anywhere. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It'll bring its own set of challenges for sure. But ultimately, I'm headed for heaven. This is just like, we're just passing through this place. As beautiful as this earth is, uh, and it's amazing. I love this planet. I think God is so creative and just brilliant in how he made this earth. And we live on an island, and there's water and waves, and it's just beautiful. Go to the mountains, and the air is fresh and clean, and it's beautiful. And I love it. But this ain't my home. This isn't our home. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And I am living for those. So we can journey through this place and we can go wherever he calls us to go and we can do whatever he calls us to do and it gets discouraging at times for sure, but we can take heart because we know, man, this isn't it though. This isn't it. I love this place, but I'm living for another place. My citizenship, my citizenship is in, it's, it's in heaven. It's with him. And I, I praise the Lord because, man, I had to deal with bureaucracy today with proving that I actually exist and that I am a Texan. And I'm like, how dare you people question whether or not I'm a real Texan? Because I've had a Texas driver's license for over 20 years. And they're like, we want to see your birth certificate. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why? No, I'm, re- I'm real. I'm a real person. I, I, I'm so grateful for heaven in new heaven, new earth, where I don't have to worry about any of that. You don't have to worry about any of that. It's like, man, my, my citizenship is sealed. It's sealed there. Like, I don't even have to worry about, like, man, where did I put that birth certificate? Don't even worry about that. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm good to go, right? So that's what Abraham meant. That's how he lived his life. He was looking for a city whose builder is God. His builder is God. It's amazing. Amazing, this, this foresight that he had. Now, this is, where I, this is why I wanted to get into New King James, was this next part, concerning Sarah. Because Sarah deserves her place within the hall of faith. NIV, NLT, they did her wrong, okay? Because they add Abraham to her story, and that's not how it was supposed to be, okay? Abraham's got his story, but Sarah's got her story too, right? She's the first woman on this list. And unfortunately, those other translators are like, well, we're going to include Abraham's name in there. We don't need Abraham's name in there. We don't need, because Sarah had her, she had her own faith in God. And there, this is part of her story as well. So verse 11 says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She got pregnant. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Oh, she's well past the age. She's 90 years old when she gives, when she gives birth to that baby boy. Abraham's 100, like well beyond. I don't care how long they live for. I mean, the time in Noah's day when the flood came, even right before the flood, actually right after the flood, the days of man were cut short tremendously. 120 years was like the, the length, you know, kind of the lifespan, so to speak. So even with 120 years, Abraham is, it's too late, buddy. It's too late. Like, this, it's impossible for you. But what's impossible for man is possible for God. 
And when he promises something's going to happen, it's going to happen, even when it doesn't make sense. But here's Sarah. She was strengthened to conceive seed when she was well past age because she judged him, God, faithful who had promised. And see, that's why I think Sarah needs a standalone story. Because yeah, Abraham believed as well. He absolutely believed. But she deserves some credit too. Because in that story that I love so much about Sarah, she heard the guys telling her husband, your wife, a year from now, nine months from now, when we come back, she's going to have a baby. And she laughs. She laughed at the promise of God. And they're like, why is your wife laughing? What? She thinks that that's funny. And, the, and, she's, and she tried to defend herself and all that good stuff. But I, I love that because I think she had somewhat of like that moment of doubt of like, oh, come on, seriously? I'm not, I'm like, there's no way. I'm 89 years old. There's no way I'm going to be able to have a, a child. But even with that reaction and response, she ends up in Hebrews chapter 11. And God's like, I'm so proud of Sarah. Because I told her what was going to happen, and she believed me. He doesn't include her laughing at his promise. He doesn't include her moment of, like, doubt in this record, the hall of faith. That's so encouraging, because there's been so many times in my life where he has said something, and I've, like, I've I've either just laughed at it, because I'm like, that's crazy, or just flat out just not believed him. Like, there's no way. I'm so glad that God doesn't keep track of those moments. And for Sarah, he's like, man, she was strengthened to receive, and she judged him. She judged God faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, now we go back to them as a couple, one man, and him as good as dead. I love the Bible. That's amazing. Um, Abraham, 100 years old, he's just as good as dead. We're born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. His word comes true. And this beautiful little couple that had all their fair share of problems, their ups and downs and all that good stuff, they held fast to the promises of God. He said things are going to happen. He said, you will have a kid. Man, they even, you know, what's missing from the story is the fact that they tried to solve this on their own. I mean, you get an Ishmael when you, try to, when you try to fulfill God's promises in your life on your time, you'll end up with an Ishmael. That's just how it is, right? It's a work of the flesh. It's not recorded here, though. What is recorded is the promised child. It's so good, and it's so freeing when the Lord's like, I know you make mistakes. I know there's moments in your life where you don't trust me. I know there's moments in your life where you don't believe me. And when you don't do what I say... But man, those things are covered by the blood of Christ. And it's as if they never happened. That's what justification is. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never, and I'm not saying doubting is a sin. I don't want you to get that in your brain because we wrestle with doubt. That's just natural human nature. You should wrestle with doubt. I mean, that's just how it is. But God doesn't hold that against you. He doesn't hold that against any of us. If you have, go through a season of doubting who he is and doubting his promises, it's not like he's like, oh, I'm just so disappointed with you. That's not who he is. He's right there with us to be like, let's talk about it. Let's work through this. Let me get you to the other side. Let me get you through this storm. He did that with Abraham and Sarah and not just them with 
you know, with a maid servant and, and an Ishmael, but also a journey down into Egypt and stay away from Egypt, okay? Stay out of Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is always a depiction of the world, okay? Of the world. Abraham and Sarah went down into the world. And what did he do? He lied about Sarah being his wife. He almost blew it all because of that. It's not recorded in here, though. Again, just another story. It's not recording in here in here. The author's going to take a little break here for a second and kind of go big picture. Verse 13, all these, uh, or these all, um, not just Abraham and Sarah, but many others died in faith, died in faith. That's an interesting phrase. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This is amazing, an amazing little kind of like, it's not even like a transition. It's, it's like a little subpoint. point. It's, it's almost like this other thought comes into the author's head of like, oh yeah, by the way, not everybody who was promised something by God actually ever saw that promise come true. That should be an encouragement to everybody. Because maybe God has, maybe he has, and he's promised all of us stuff for sure. But there's no guarantee that you and I will see these promises come true. But that doesn't take away from the the power of the promises or the power of his word. And in fact, that, that should bolster our faith even more. It's like, man, I may not see I, I may not see like, um, let's say you're waiting on the rapture to happen, right? You're just set on Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck Smith, who founded the Calvary Chapel movement. He was almost dead set on the fact that the rapture is going to happen in my lifetime. Like we heard him talk about that quite a bit at school. Well, he passed away like eight, nine years ago, I think something like that of lung cancer and the rapture didn't happen. I can tell you this, Chuck's not disappointed. He's not disappointed at all because he's in the presence of the Lord right now. But that promise that God said of, I will return and I'll take the church and all that, that promise still stands true today. He never got to see that, but it didn't change the promise at all. Abraham, I mean, technically it was, he was looking down the road and he had this vantage point of of faith and he saw like the Messiah is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. And Abraham's from the line of Shem and, and Jesus would be from the line of Shem as well. And Abraham can look down the road and like, from my lineage, the Messiah is going to show up. Abraham would never see that. Jesus, in talking to Pharisees, said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they're like, you, you're, only, you're not even 50 years old. You've never seen Abraham. And he's like, yeah, before Abraham was, I am. That's that big I am that God said, to Moses, when Moses said, who do I say sent me? You tell him, the I am sent you. The exact same phrase Jesus used to those Pharisees. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. He's like, oh, I've known Abraham for a long time. <laughs> I've known him. I knew Abraham before he existed. But also Abraham knew about Jesus. He knew about Jesus. And so do some of these other ones. Man, they were focused on this fact that the promises of God will come true. It may not happen in their lifetime, but they will come true because his word comes true. His word is reliable. It's faithful. It's dependable. And they all knew these all that it's talking about. 
they knew like, man, we're just pilgrims. We're just passing through. That's who we are. That's who we are. This place, as much as we love this place, this is not our home. This is not our home. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Of course, we all seek a homeland. There's a part of our lives, especially if you're a follower of Christ, there's a part of your your heart, I would even say your soul, that knows like, I'm homesick because this isn't home, because this isn't it. And I want to be, man, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with other brothers and sisters who have gone on ahead of us. I want that big family reunion, you know, and new heaven and new earth. There's a part of us that is, it's always going to be longing. And that was true for these guys as well. They had this, this desire. They, they knew they were seeking out that homeland. Verse 15, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of or come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. So basically, the author of Hebrews is saying like, look, they live for something beyond this world. And if they were only living for this world and they were homesick, all they had to do is go back home where they came from. If Abraham was homesick, like for a physical place on this planet, all he had to do was go back to, go back to the Ur of the Chaldeans. That's all he had to do. But the homesickness that he had, so to speak, was that of a new heaven, a new earth being in the presence of the Lord. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, here's what's cool. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And we believe that the city that will be prepared or is being prepared for them, those who place their faith and hope and trust in Jesus, will be a new Jerusalem, which will come down. It will be a new heavens, there will be a new earth, there will be a new Jerusalem, and, and that will be home for us. But what I like about this is those who are heavenly minded, not so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good, but you're of earthly good because you're so heavenly minded. Um, those who function and, and journey through this life with that like eager anticipation of like, man, I can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get there. I love this life and all that good stuff. It says here that God's like, he's not ashamed to be called their God. He's proud of that. He loves that. He loves that. He loves when his kids love him, right? And when we're ashamed of him, he's ashamed of us. It's like, what? well, you don't, no, no, that's enough with the, no more, no more Christian talk, no more Bible talk, no more, and it's like, God's like, why, why are you ashamed of me? Romans chapter 1, 116, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the gospel that saves lives. It's the gospel that transforms individuals. And God's like, man, I'm so proud of you guys because you're journeying through this life. You're holding on to my promises. And you're, you have a, a focus on what's to come. And that makes him proud. And he's like, I'm proud to be called your God. That's like mind-blowing. That God Almighty, righteous, holy, perfect, God, creator of all things, is like, I'm so proud to be called your God. That's like crazy. There are no other gods on this planet that work like that. None. None at all. All the other ones are like, you better act right. And I might like you. But there's no guarantees. You better act right because you mess up. And if you don't pay penance and you don't do this or that or you know, I don't know. I just might not like you. 
I don't even know if I'm proud of you. I don't even know if I want to be connected to you. That's how a lot of false gods function on this planet right now, just so you understand. The God of the Bible, Yahweh, God Almighty, is the only one who's like, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I'm so proud to be called your God. That's like crazy. That's insane. Like, how does that? But it directly applies to the people who are like, I'm so proud that you're my God. I'm so proud you're my Abba. You're my Papa. I'm going to brag about you all the time. I want to tell people about heaven because it's amazing. I want to tell people about Jesus because he is, he's Yeshua. He is amazing. He is the Messiah. Like, I'm so proud that I'm connected to him. And it's such a beautiful dynamic, a relationship dynamic that's, that's presented to us freely from the Bible. And you get this little window into Abraham and Sarah's life where God's like, yeah, those are my guys. Those are my people. That's my son. That's my daughter. Uh, they were proud to be called, um, you know, be called my kids. But man, I was proud to be called their God. That's so cool. That's amazing. But that's, that's their story. And they went on to, you know, they, she got pregnant. She gave birth to Isaac and and what started there with them would, would continue on. And, and we'll see as we go through the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 later on. It, it's just a weird story of uh, ups and downs and sin and shortcomings and, and all this mess. Mess is what it is. But the whole time, God's promise stays true. And it stays consistent. And he technically, he never, he never gave up on Israel. He never gave up on it. He's still not done with Israel. It, right now is the, the time of the church. Yeah, that's why you and I as Gentiles, I think most of us are probably Gentiles in here, uh, we get to be included in this thing. This is, this is so amazing that God would do that. But he will focus his attention back onto Israel when that time's right and all that good stuff. But you just read through the Old Testament. I'm currently going through that. Just finished Joshua and venturing into Judges. I'm a little behind. But um, you see this up and down of like, just, yes, we'll serve God. No, we're not serving God. Yes, we'll serve God. No, we're not serving God. And it's like, ay, ay, ay. But God's just like, hey, you know, he, he kind of deals with it. He disciplines his kids when they need it, for sure. But man, he never stops loving them. He never stops loving them. And he, he just, his promises and his word stands true, even to this day. So I want to encourage you guys with this. Man, if he's called you, and maybe he already has, maybe you're in the midst of a journey. Don't give up on the journey. Do not give up on the journey. You hold fast. Hold fast to what he's told you, okay? You hold fast to his promises and the fact that what he began in you, he is faithful to complete that thing, okay? Ephesians talks about this as you and I, whether we believe it or not, you and I are his pomia, his workmanship. You are a work of art, has anybody ever told you that? I'm not, I mean, I believe it, but that's God telling you that. That's from his word saying, no, you're a work of art. Well, nobody's ever called me that. Nobody's ever treated me like that. God does. He thinks of you. And he's the sculptor. He's the one who's working on you. And so what he started, he is faithful to complete it. So don't give up on him. You'd be like Abraham, be like Sarah. You hold fast to the promises. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, Hebrews chapter 12. And just try to enjoy the ride as much as you possibly can. 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is going through the heroes of the faith in this series, and I have a question for you. Who is your hero? I asked my son that question, and he said that Esther is his hero because what he struggles with most is fear, and she overcame the fear of death in order to save her people. That's what this series is all about. We look back into the stories of the people who have gone before us in order to see what God is able to do with people who are just like us. They all have weaknesses and failures, but God was able to work through each one of them to accomplish His purposes in the world. And God is able to use you too. You can be weak, you can be fearful, you can be young. It doesn't matter. God is working in the world and He works primarily through His broken and weak people. Thanks for being here today. We love sharing God's story with you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. We're a group of people of all ages coming together to magnify Jesus and find hope and new life in Him. We'd love to have you come and join us for a Sunday morning service or a Thursday evening. You can find out all about our church on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And if the Spirit leads you, find that donation page and join us in the great work of spreading the light of the gospel in this dark world around us. Well, that's all that we have for today, but we'll be back next time right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.